And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is the Week 9 Review. I'm your host, Chris Welsh, joined by Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston, and we have escaped Apocalypse. But it kind of went with a whimper. If really, if you will, I was kind of slowly mentioned it right before we started up here, but I had an expectation that with Bipocalypse might come a bunch of random guys that we might get some cool value out of. We had to like, hey, start this guy and then we're all going to celebrate. Hey, I'm the smartest guy in the world. I started this guy because I was put in this situation. I don't really feel like it did. Week nine was kind of kind of lame unless you had one specific player we'll talk about in a second, Brandon. Uh well, Raheem Blackshear, RB one in week okay. in week nine. There you go. You, you, right, you want you want a little out of left field. There you go. That's the one. But you know, it wasn't huge numbers, and it kind of speaks to you know, Chris Moore was like wide receiver, a uh, back end wide receiver one as well, and he he had one you know four catches, forty three yards, and a touchdown. That's not usually wide receiver one production. Yeah. So just kind of speaks to the fact that other than some massively top heavy days by a, a couple people and Justin Fields and Joe Mixon, uh, which, you know, we will be talking about. Yeah. It was kind of a, a lame week. I thought Jake, uh, Brandon bet Blackshear. Can you raise him another obscure player <laughs> that did well? Can you raise no, his bet? Cause it doesn't, it doesn't really matter except for the fact, I mean, <laughs> I tweeted this out this morning. Well, on Monday, depending on when you're listening to this and the fact that seven of the top 12, the, t- the tight end ones this week didn't even get more than four fantasy points. And, Five of those had zeros or was zero percent owned is what I meant to say. So that's what I was going for. I, this, I'm sick. I'm sick for like the math that you like all that out there. So what I was supposed to say was they weren't even what was it twenty four percent rostered was what I was supposed to say, and then zero percent rostered was the five of them. Yeah, Point being five yeah, five tight ends, tight end ones are not rostered anywhere. Did I see you starting a um, a little renegade like rebel group of trying to also axe tight ends online? Did I see that? Are, are you trying to eliminate the tight end as well as no, kicker? It's supposed to be a wide receiver slash tight end position. I've been saying that for years. That's not new. That's not a renegade thing. That's just it should be this week. Proof wise, proof wise. I can't even talk. I'm done. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> but I, I, I do kind of like that, honestly. Like Andrews and Kelsey then get started still in every league, uh, and it's fine. And you, you know, your Dallas Goddards are like your Devonta Smiths. You know, they're kind of like the wide still get started. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. two, three. So you still get Goddards and Ertz, and they all start. Everybody rosters them. They're all still started. And I mean, I referenced the fact in 2019, one of my home league teams started Kelsey and Waller almost the entire year because they took a flyer on Waller. That was the year that he broke out, and nobody ex- knew what to expect that he was going to be that good. And what it really eliminates is what this week was. You're not. You're not having people having a roster and hopefully get a touchdown and one catch for a touchdown for one yard put you as a tight end 
one. It's really, it comes down to, then you start playing, do I play Alec Pierce or do I play Juwan Johnson? Like those are the decisions you make. So people still start tight ends and the top ones will still be, and Kelsey and Andrews would be wide receiver ones. It just opens it up for, it's, it's basically turning tight end into a super flex. It's like super tight end or whatever you want I, to call it. I just it. came up with, a, with an idea. What about if you make it, Tight end slash kicker slash defense, and you can just no. <laughs> just choose Ooh. one. You go with Justin Tucker. Are you going to go T- with tight end slash the- defense? No, still ban kickers. Kickers are still pork chop sandwiches. Trash. I know, but if you want to pick one up, like Evan McPherson over a you know over a Cole Komet. It's like Cole Komet. No, because as McPherson, Bucker just yeah. proved again, it doesn't even matter if you're good. Ban kickers, you still miss two. I, I do like the an extra point. I like that Jake won't claim to be part of the rebellion. He's our Andor. He's essentially the Andor here. He's just sitting out here and he's a, he's a part of it. He's like, no, this has always been the thing. You're, you're a rebel leader, even though you don't know it. This I don't recall really hearing you stomp about this band tight end thing. Go, or move it to go, the flex. It's not because it's not band tight ends. It's you kind of want to band tight. Why do you hate tight ends? Exactly. De-emphasize. De-emphasize I, I like big butts and I cannot lie. <laughs> You're the anti Scott Fishbowl. That's what you are. You don't you don't want to like overemphasize no, emphasize them. <laughs> yeah, you are funk master. I want juicy doubles. Jake. I want to grab something. <laughs> Jake is sick. We're getting a whole new Jake. This is amazing. Let's keep going. Let's keep pushing it. And uh let's talk about week nine. And let's talk about the recap. And Joe Mixon's Booker T impression five time, five time. Five time, five time, five time, five touchdowns over 200 total yards. The only players with 200 scrimmage yards and five touchdowns in a game in the Super Bowl era belong to Jerry Rice. Of course, the the goat, Jonathan Taylor, Clinton Portis, Sean Alexander, Jamal Charles and Joe Mixon. I believe in half PPR, this was the second highest scoring performance. Uh, is this incorrect? Because I think Jerry Rice was in there as well. What? Okay, Jake, you're shaking your head. Give me the official stat. Uh, well, so this, I think some of these places, these sites just don't go back far enough because I found one and it was Clinton Porras's number one at 56.4. And then Jamal okay. Charles, Alvin Kamara, Doug Martin, Joe Mixon. But the problem is it doesn't even include Sean Alexander in 2002, who should have been fourth in front of Doug Martin. Because he had 54 points. I think he actually had 54.6.1 behind Camara. So it depends on the size. Because I saw Jerry 10. Rice in like a 60-point performance as well. That's, so it does see, seem so like So there you might like it. was so, so how far back you go. Point being, yeah. it's a top 10 performance all time. It is incredible. An incredible performance. Yeah, if, that, yeah. It's one yeah. of those that like if you played it, you just gave up. You could have sat the rest of your team. It didn't matter unless you were so lucky to be like, I have Etienne and Walker and Justin Fields, and you could do everything you possibly did. Um, incredible 22 for 153 and four touchdowns on the ground. Caught four for 58 with another touchdown to make it five. Put five on it. Here is my question with Joe Mixon. Is this the biggest golden ticket, a Willy Wonka-sized golden ticket to sell to whatever the guy's name is? I was going to say his name, but I completely forgot. It was like an S, like. Scrog, I don't know. Someone will remember. But is this the time to sell Joe Mixon right now, Jake Seeley? No. Question mark? I mean, it depends. I mean, we can sell high. We had this discussion last week. There's always a sell high opportunity with anybody. When Christian McCaffrey did his thing for the 49ers before the buy, this Saquon Barkley before the buy for him and what he's been doing. So, of course, if you can get top five running back return for Joe Mixon, you absolutely do it. The problem is, I think, 
his value was perceived to be too low before even this game where he was a buy for me. He's been a buy for weeks. I keep telling people to buy Joe Mixon because the touchdown regression was going to come back positive. He's just... He's still getting the volume, still getting to work in the passing game. This was going to come back around, similar to Alvin Kamara. This is exactly what just happened with Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara's touchdown regression came all in one game. Joe Mixon said, I see your touchdown regression, and hand me a beer because I'm about to redo it. So that's what happened. I, Of course it's a sell high, but if somebody's still not going to give you top five running back value and still doesn't want to give you barely fringe RB1 value, then no, it's not a sell. Yeah, and I've got some names for us we'll talk about in a second. By the way, Arthur Slugworth. Yeah. <clears throat> it was Slugworth, if everyone. I know everyone was patiently waiting who the bad guy was. It was Arthur Slugworth and Willie Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So I've got two no, who'd you rather no. here in a second. The, no, 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 no. The bad guy was Willie Wonka. Now you're going to get into the semantics of Willy Wonka and Gene Wilder, and technically you're not wrong, but then he turned at the very end. Slugworth Child wasn't endangerment, the bad guy. and then, yeah, yeah like murdering Glass. children. Like the, the Glass uh, elevators. What are we talking about here? Yeah, they're going to do like another. Do you associate with Gene Wilder or Johnny Depp? Great question. Uh, I never watched the Johnny Depp version because okay, okay, then, then, how, yeah. how, how terrible the first version. Actually, you know the other terrible person in that movie is Uncle Joe or Grandpa Joe, whoever it was that tries to mooch off Charlie for the entire damn movie. Like, yeah, well, oh, the parents yeah. also. We get too. to go. We get the chocolate factory. Shut the hell up, Grandpa Joe. Totally. Are you wait? Hold on. Are you anti Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Did you Absolutely. say it was a bad terrible movie? movie. Oh, terrible movie. Oh, Worst take. I've I've agreed with so much of you over the years. It's the worst take you've ever had in my mind. In my mind, it is Gene Wilder is is genius in that movie. It's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, but let the masses warp the kids' minds with the paraphernalia video <laughs> in the hallway with my and yeah, you'll like this, see this is a horrible movie. Well, I mean, go back and watch it again. The Oompa Loompas in that one are as bad as like the flying monkeys in the Wizard of Oz, like nightmare nightmare level stuff. But yeah, I, but the I, monkeys I didn't sing. Okay, yeah, all right. True. Well, Gene Wilder, it's it's a genius one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
apologies for me singing, by the way, and uh, taking us down that rabbit hole. But I've got a couple who'd you rather's, but I'm curious that you take, Brandon, on the trading Joe Mixon off. It's pretty standard. Guy has a performance like this. They can't repeat it. You put him out onto the market. Are you willing to entertain that? Or do you think you just roll? This is the this is the deal. Like if Joe Mixon can get you Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, or Cooper Cup, that's the move you're making. Like I had him inside the top ten running backs, and what what's the point of making a move of Joe Mixon for Derrick Henry or thinking that someone's like, oh Saquon Barkley, you know, was had a down week and went into a buy. I'm going to get Saquon Barkley. Like I don't know, you're moving the needle a whole lot. It's it's a it's a need based thing where you're going to level up at a different position that you need. And you might be able to do it right now with like a Stefan Diggs, who's, you know, after the bills coming off a bad week like that, or, you know, the Rams and Cooper cup and the way things are kind of spiraling downward for them and talking about changing their ways a little bit. Like maybe you make a move like that, where you can actually get the elite of the elite wide receiver uh, for a Joe Mixon right now. It's a really good point, And it's something I've tried to hit on like for years and years that, even though I'm about to do a who'd you rather rest of season trading a guy like him usually isn't uh, lateral to running backs. It is probably you attacking at the wide receiver position and, you know, trying to get a Tyree kill or something like that. So I acknowledge that, but Bogman and I kind of had a discussion about this on ITL and I'm curious what your guys' take. So let me ask you a couple who'd you rather's coming off of Joe Mixon's performance. So Brandon, Joe Mixon, or Ken Walker rest of season. Uh, I had, I had Joe Mixon one spot ahead of, Ken Walker going into this week. I don't know that I'm changing that. So I like, I think they're basically the same. Um, and I, with Jamar chase out, like there's been a clear context clues of Joe Mixon bump in the passing game happened, you know, in the last two weeks, I mean, he's been good all year, but decided. So, you know, if you think Jamar chase can be out for a few more weeks, then I think you're sticking with Joe Mixon, Jake deal or no deal. Joe Mixon. And I have a bigger gap. The schedule for the Seahawks is terrible for running backs. And then I referenced it last week, the football outsiders granted Ken Walker had another good game, but one of the ones that gets stuffed the most top five, I probably I say top five because he was second most stuffed of running backs. So I'm assuming that went down a little bit because it was a good game, but the schedule and then Travis Homer being involved, I would just be, I would take a little bit of a gap. It would still I, I will tier, say like I'd probably uh, sandwich a name or two in there. We'll say Barry Sanders was a lot, got a lot of stuffs in his day. Like, I think that's just a, who his style is he's a little bit of a you know jump cutter looking around trying to find that opening and sometimes it just ends up <laughs> are we have we hit the over for uh, the comparison of ken walker to barry sanders i knew that was coming i knew jake was jumping yeah. on that. No, I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying you know it's it's I, it speaks to the style of the running back and sometimes like that style is is prone to get stuffed a lot uh so this might not move any needles in uh, jake uh, travis Etienne or joe mixon mm, etn might be point. Oh, really? Okay, so you have Etienne over Walker then for the rest of the yes. year. Okay, yes. okay. I wasn't sure where that was going to lie because I think Bogman was more team Ken Walker over Etienne and Mixon, but Etienne was kind of tough in the same general range. So that's a flip a coin for you. Yes. Brandon, sticking Etienne or Mixon? Sticking with Mixon. And it's, I don't really generally want, like all things equal, want to be attached to the Jaguars offense. Like I think that's a... That's a variable that, that goes up yeah, and down. Sure. Yeah, I love their schedule. Yeah. They, Trevor Lawrence. It, it, I mean, and it's like, it's a glorious schedule. And then even the bad matchups are like, well, they're going to have to pass anyway. Like they only have, they, they got Kansas City, which if they can keep up, I mean, it's going to be, but they get by. So they come out to the run defenses of 
the Ravens and Lions, uh, you could actually be worried about the Titans' run defense, and then oh Dallas, my. Jets, and then Texans to the championship game. Pretty sexy. Mm-hmm. Pretty sexy. That silence is pal- palpable. I think it is. Oh, you want me? Like, I... no. I think I think we're all sitting on Travis Etienne in there for a minute. Jake Jake made a case that, but that's not going to change. You're you're still you're you're heavy on to Mixon. You're both team Mixon, Jake. After you just said that, by the way, Jake, are you you said flip a coin? Do you think reliving that schedule thing maybe that would just side on Etienne just the slightest? No, because I'm a Joe Mixon. I'm okay. Apolog- I like yeah. So I, I went Mixon Walker. Mixon Walker ETN at uh, nine, ten, and no. eleven. Going, no, you into- went, you went Mixon Barry Sanders ETN. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had Josh Jacobs ahead of all those guys going into this week, and I think I'd move him to the to the bottom Dead last. now. Yeah, of that group now, he drops. And that's the. I think that goes to the whole buys and sells because two weeks ago people were going bananas for Joe, Joe Josh Jacobs because oh he's getting all the work it's the bell cow work everything's great this is glorious and then you missed the boat if you didn't yeah what is going to extend into a very uh running heavy episode of of conversation here this is going to be one of the few running backs uh that we're not going to we're going to talk about one of the non running backs we're going to talk about but he just set a record Justin Fields only threw for 123 yards but he rushed for 178, which I believe was the single game most by a quarterback. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, when yes. in the playoffs, didn't in Kaepernick the, have like 200 in the playoffs? Or no, something? It, they said it was a regular season in the Super Bowl era. Okay, yeah, because I feel like Kaepernick beat that in the playoffs. If I'm Maybe I'm making it up or whatever. But uh, in the regular season, 178 yards, had a touchdown. Unbelievable how he looked. And Justin Fields has continued to just kind of defy everything that I thought, especially early season on. I believe I looked at the points scored on the overall in the season. I believe he's still seven hundred eighty one for Kaepernick. OK, so I was right. OK, look at me. I was right. But it wasn't 200. It was Kaepernick, though. No, um, was, yeah, 16 for 181 and two touchdowns on the ground against Green Bay. It's ridiculous. I knew it was against Green Bay. It's ridiculous game. I remember that. Uh, he also vividly. had 130 the next year against Seattle. He was something else. Can't get a gig. It's something else. Um, Justin Fields on overall scoring, I believe, is sitting at seven at quarterback. But if you take away those last couple of weeks as far as points per game, he's been like top three or four, I think, since week four on. Justin Fields, top five overall quarterback rest of season, Brandon. Five. Let me see. Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, um, he, uh, Lamar Jackson, so you want me to argue Joe Burrow versus Justin Fields rest of the season or Justin Herbert or Geno Smith? Yeah, I mean, sure. If you want I to. Mean, I mean, what's the common denominator with pretty much all of those quarterbacks in the top four ahead of where we're talking about is Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen are like game-changing runners. And Justin Fields looked looked pretty good throwing the ball. He only had 125 passing yards, but he was efficient. I mean, he looked he looked com- – in just the last few weeks – Clearly, you can see the way they've kind of made changes to this offense to really embrace who he is. And like, yeah, you can you could twist my arm into top five. You left two names out for me. Oh, Tua. Uh, Ooh, well, Tua. yeah. So Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins, his two games. That's I mean, it's just with Sorry, DeAndre I, Hopkins. It's just, I, I just, it's just God, I just have it's so twenty and twenty five. Like I, I know, know, but I know. it's twenty and 20, he's just a different quarterback with DeAndre Hopkins. He's twenty and twenty fives in those two games. He's back to being. I mean, well, remember can I say last something? Year, really, I'll let you finish your point, yeah. but I'll just interject. Yeah. Like 
like we've seen Kyler and the in the Cardinals have bad second halves the last few years, and I feel like we're trending towards this thing being an absolute like Cliff Kingsbury is going to get fired at some point, although he's got a contract. I just really like I'm a little bit leery about the way things are headed with Arizona because they look they look terrible. They, I mean, this team is discombobulated right now. So I mean, I put out I put out a poll for the next co- head coach to get fired, and Kingsbury is fifty percent. Hackett's thirty, and McDaniel's is twenty. So everybody's like Kingsbury. I mean, we've been on the like. Kingsbury They'll have to pay him like, for a while. I know, but it's their own fault. I mean, he's been the he, like everybody makes excuses all this time, and what's the one common denominator? But anyway, so I would say that. But I agree. With, like, I think Murray versus Fields is a nice toss up this conversation. But I was gonna say yes to it. I would take. We actually had this discussion yeah. all in football. I would take Tua every single time. Tua, outside of one bad game and then where he got hurt, has been everything we've wanted him to be. Well, if you're on Team Tua, uh, our own. Uh, uh, Brandon Howard even talked about him two off seasons ago on our site on the athletic and talked about that. This is what he needs. He needs guys who gets open quickly. And that's exactly what he had. And you put a build the team around him, similar to Jalen hurts. Uh, so just outside the top five, but the fact that we're talking about him just outside the top five is all that really matters when we come down to it. Yeah. Giving, giving some exacts on what I was talking about before from week four on Justin Fields on a per game average is the fourth highest scoring quarterback since week four on. So that's more than half of the played season behind him at five is Jalen hurts by about a point and a half less. And in that same time period Tua, and if you want the exact scoring, uh, Justin at 23.2 Jalen essentially at 22 Tua down here at what it looks like 10th at 18. So I'm cherry picking. I'm using week four on It's just a random marker here. But that's still a significant time and that takes away. But uh, there's a part of me that's like, can you fall in and trust really hardcore quarterback that throws for 123 yards and you have to bank solely on the legs? Let me ask you real quick. Did either one of you know how many games this year that uh, Justin Fields has thrown for over 200 yards? None. I would say one. I think he's done at least once. One time. One time he has thrown for under 100 yards as many times as he's thrown for 200 yards. And that 200 yard plus was 208 yards. Obviously, he's done something on the ground. I just find it really hard to trust. It screams sell to me. It just screams sell. But again, it's like, what's the scenario here? You'd have to have well, it's uh, what I laid out last week is that he has to be Tannehill efficiency from two years ago in the passing game. He has to throw for two touchdowns like he has to or I, rush for a yeah. touchdown. And I throw think for one. Justin, Fiel, uh, if you go. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say the, to continue with what you were saying. If you go back just four games, just so the last four sample and points per game, it's Mahomes, Fields, Burrow, Allen to a uh, Murray. Hurts Murray. Sorry. Those are your seven right there. Yeah, I was just going to say that selling Justin Fields is if you have one of those other guys we talked about, like a Tua or a Jalen Hurts. your second quarterback. And use your second quarterback. Because, look, I picked up Justin Fields just this last week in a pretty competitive 12-team league because I've been messing around with Derek Carr forever, and he's driving me nuts. So I got Justin Fields, and I don't want to go back to Derek Carr. I wouldn't trade Justin Fields in a minute. Like So, like, if he's – if if the option is to trade fields and just to go into the, you know, this this slog of QB stream that we've been talking about all year, no way. I, I think fields has kind of cemented himself as a top 10 at the worst, I think, just because of the, the high level of the floor. 
It does have Jalen Hurts last year vibes. I just don't know if we're ever going to get out of it. But we'll see. We'll see how the offense progresses as uh, Claypool uh, becomes a part of it. Just be nice if there's a little bit more of a passing game to be involved. But uh, regardless of the point, most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single game and uh, top four scoring on average since week four on. Uh, Over on that Packers game, Aaron Jones was injured. Uh, AJ Dillon ended up finishing 11 for 34. Now we did get some news this morning that it seems like he's going to be okay. Jake, your hand is raised. I call on you. Also, Romeo Dobbs officially out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Mm. Romeo Dobbs one hurts. It hardly knew you. Um, I want to stick to my question, even though they're saying it looks like he'll be good to go. I want to stick to this question for just a second, because I don't think anything is guaranteed in this injury stuff. I think they can get very Pollyanna about it. And if Aaron Jones were to miss time, do either one of you trust A.J. Dillon even as a yes. top 24 back? You, you do? Okay, sell me on that. I think he'd be an RB1. He's showing an RB1? An RB1. Really? I don't care. I don't look. We had Deion Jackson was an RB1 in that broken ass offense a couple of weeks ago because nobody else was there. And yes, it went downhill this past week, but he also got banged up in that game. Not that much was going on before that anyway, thanks to Sam Ellinger and his terrible passing. But we've seen. Look at the Carolina Panthers. Look what Deonta Foreman was doing until last week. Like, it's not going to be every single week, but with that kind of volume and that talent, A.J. Dillon's proven already. He's already been an RB1. He's going to get 20-plus touches. If, if Aaron Jones is out this week, A.J. Dillon will be he'll bottom end. He'll be bottom end, but he will be a fringe. He'll be an RB1 for me. Who are they playing Brandon- this week? I don't have the schedule in front of me. I don't even care. Don't even care. Um, I just looked. <laughs> hold on. I'll I'll look. Um, but Dallas the overall home. pick. It's yeah. That's it. It's the Cowboys, which I hated even worse. Okay, maybe maybe I care matchup. a little bit. I lied. Yeah, maybe like a <laughs> tiny bit. Okay, thank you, thank you, a little bit. Yeah, I really struggle with his inefficiencies. I know you, we can sell like Deion Jackson can uh, explode in that offense, but the Packers are inept. The Packers cannot move the ball. Unfortunately. I mean, what's what's worse or what's better, Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan? It's Spider-Man meme at this point. They're just pointing at each other. Let's get Jordan Love. Brandon, I struggle here's, with here's getting why. excited about it. Aaron Dillon. Jones is still the RB10 to date. Still. That's, that's wild. But that's that's my point. Yeah. I, I basically so, Aaron Jones has basically been getting bell cow work because A.J. Dillon has been written out this year for some reason. So, sorry, Faustin. Yeah, no, I, I think to Jake's point, we're talking just volume. I do worry about the inefficiency inefficiency in the bad offensive line and the fact that A.J. Dillon against the Lions from the half yard line gets absolutely stoned two times. I don't yes. like when I see A.J. Dillon, I say this is what A.J. Dillon is built for. They're on the half yard line first and ten or first and goal. And they should just go four times in a row to A.J. Dillon. They can get a half a yard with that guy. <laughs> but they gave it to him twice and he got stoned both times. And like. Yeah, it's here. It's, here, real quick. It's annoying. Aaron Jones games with at least 15 touches. And if I wanted to really cherry pick, I would say 17 because you'll see why in two of these games. But 15 touches 30.5, 6.2, 13, 9, 24, 18. If I take out the two 15 games and only go from 17, that's the 6.2 in the nine game. If you go 17 plus, it's the 30, 13, 24, and 18 games. So that's my point. It's the volume on this team. The, the My problem with A.J. Dillon, though, is like volume doesn't do anything for him. Uh, the two times you want to talk about 15 touches I'm looking at here, I think one time he's had 15 touches, he's eclipsed 10 points, and it was the first game of the year where he had five catches, 10 carries. 
Uh, he had 18 carries, 61 yards, 17 carries, 73. He just doesn't do it. He's not Aaron Jones. Yeah, but it's the passing game that he get. Uh, he we've already seen him be a good pass catcher last year. We've seen that. We've seen the games where he could potentially have that kind of volume with the uh, what was it like four for 40 something or whatever it was the receiving like so. That's again my point. 20 touches. Uh, I agree that like he hasn't looked as great. But at the same time, I mean, what is he averaging on the year? And I know it's a fallback number that I, I poo-poo myself, but he's got over four yards per carry, right? Uh, he's okay. at actual four. four. Exactly. He's at four, exactly. I'm a little jaded just because I thought this was going to be a rebound week for A.J. Dillon. I, even in a backup role, I thought this is a week that we're going to get something out of A.J. Dillon. I thought he'd score a touchdown. thought he would get 12 to you know 15 carries and put up good numbers, and nobody did. And this is, you know, that's just the concern is this offense is – been underwhelming all year long and luckily it doesn't look like you know there's going to be anything serious it's just i guess my trust in aj Dillon. he would have been vaulted into like kind of like we're talking about into really a high value spot based on a workload that would have been out there it's just he has been so inefficient this year and maybe part of it was watching some of that game and seeing that body of a player get stuffed at the one yard line like three times like it's just wild to see and he's just not aaron jones and i i was just curious with it when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. In that game dealing with the Lions, are there any worries with Swift's consistency at, uh, as I put it, not 100%-ness? He has said he's not 100%. Again, I think they gave him two carries in this game. He had a couple catches. It, Jamal Williams got the big, big workload. So do you trust that we're going to get to a point where we can 100% regain all of that value into DeAndre Swift, Jake? No, I don't think so, because I think the biggest concern here is that going into the season, myself included, we were hoping that we would get pushing towards a 60-40, 65-35 split, and that Williams would still be a factor. So Williams would still steal goal line work and frustrate us, but Swift had seen that share. His, like, he'd been used at the goal line inside the 10, inside the 5, inside the 3. He had seen that work. It was just sharing it. But the entire backfield being shared 50-50, it looks at best for Swift, not even... Jamal Williams. It looks like this is Jamal Williams with Swift as the complimentary piece, which maybe we should have listened because there's been times where Campbell had said things about this is that, you know, we have him as the passing game. This is kind of like the reverse AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones situation. It's the other way around. So I, I think we'll have value where you can start both of them. Um, and I'd probably draw the best comparison to last year's Denver Broncos. Is that what we're looking at now? But Williams is the consistent one. Yeah, I mean, team leader, too. He's We saw it like at yeah. Hard Knocks. And Swift stuff. I, I, I was actually going to bring that up. I think the fact that Jamal Williams has played so well and the fact that he is clearly a team leader, 
think that factors into Campbell wanting to get him out there and, and deciding he's going to be our guy. And Swift is basically the, the change of pace receiving back. I mean, I don't know that that's going to change, you know, wholesale anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, I'd mentioned this. This is good. This is something that I actually said smart. I mentioned this last week and Jeffrey Wilson Jr. said, watch out this first week. Because, Jeff, you're going to be surprised when he takes over more from Raheem Mostert than any of you expected. And guess what? He outrushed and touched Raheem Mostert. He was 9 for 51 on the ground with three catches for 21 yards and a score compared to Mostert's 9 for 26. But he did have a touchdown. He received two targets in the passing game, but no catches. And Jeffrey Wilson Jr., as far as some of the snaps went, got a lot of the early down stuff. Mostert was in the two-minute drill. So, I mean, it was all him. So, I suppose that's good. But... Brandon, what do you think about uh, my take on Jeffrey Wilson after seeing him in this uh, Dolphins offense this past week? Yeah, you know, we have that little what thing, something that's making you think twice or whatever. And I I had to just call an audible and say it was your comments on Jeff Wilson coming in and being an immediate factor like that. So not wearing a hat, but hat hat tip to you. (laughs) I think your call was uh, was spot on. And what I would say is we've seen this before. Most of Jeff Wilson, this is this is platoon city, baby. I like. You can say, oh, most of it was in here, in there. I don't think it matters. I think they're just a straight-up 50-50 split. You might see Wilson do something a little bit different next time and Mostert do something a little bit different. But I think, in general, you're going to probably see a straight touch split right down the middle. Jake, what do you think about Mostert now losing some of these touches? Is this going to be – are you in full agreement? Is this a full-on split, or do you think it maybe was just the game script of this first one? No, I think it's a split, and it's going to be go back just copy paste. It's the copycat league and copy paste Denver Broncos again. He, this is another one, and I think we hope or that maybe Jeff Wilson becomes the new lead. But why would they? It just makes no sense. But Mike McDaniel has now two former Forty Nine ers running backs at his disposal. Who he knows? Yeah. <laughs> what well. what it is is uh, is copycat Forty Nine ers before they drafted Elijah Mitchell. I was just about to say, you know what? Maybe it's not Shanahan against. Maybe it's McDaniel against <laughs> McDaniel. <laughs> McDaniel- <laughs> he, he was like behind that. it the entire time. <laughs> Do you guys like Mike McDaniel? I feel like most people don't like him. I like him. I think he's goofy. That whole like uh, yelling Justin I Fields you, to just I stop it. The, yeah, I love the, the guy. At the the combine when they made the comment about the you know did you have a meaningful conversation with whoever they were trying to resign at the time and he said first of all every conversation I have is meaningful. I was like, you're my favorite coach. The end. Yeah. I was, that's all. I, I was like, I'm like, <laughs> how do they take him seriously? I'd be like, Hey, get that nerdy college kid off the field. You know, like that's kind of where I'm at with him. He looks he's like a tiny dude in person. too. He's tiny. Way. And he looks like he's, you know, he, he just looks like a, like a, like I said, a college student. It's like he's yeah. a statistician for the team, yeah, not the head coach, exactly. but uh, he's a fun guy. I think he's a guy that they can rally around. So Jeff Wilson, Jr., uh, the one positive out of this is, yes, Mostert, I think, loses some of the high end, but Jeff Wilson's value has been saved by going to Miami. And they're probably both at best flex options. You can uh, deal with matchups so here. Jeff Bro- Wilson, Jamal Williams, and Mostert, DeAndre Swift. <laughs> is that what we're doing like the Walmart version. Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably what it is in that <laughs> offense. Uh, Cordell Patterson returned 13 for 44. Two touchdowns, had one catch for nine yards, which, boy, I wanted to see more in the receiving game. But he is still just the back. Algier, though. 10 carries for 99 yards, a catch for 24. Are they going to eat into each other moving forward? Jake, let's start with you. Patterson, Algier, are they going to eat into each other's value to make it more of a problem? Or is that the first game back for Patterson and Algier will become a thing of the past soon? No, I think it's a mix of both. But, uh, you know, I told everybody, Cordell Patterson 
inside the top 20 is because of exactly what we've talked about before is that when the team brings back a player and the ones that are replacing him are playing well and they go back to him, they're going to go back to him. And they even said so. And the, the, the most telling part of it should have been the fact that not only did they activate him from the IR immediately after the four weeks, they also activate him for the game. So they could have waited. They had time. They could have just pulled him off the IR and wait. You know, they had the 21-day window. Nope, ready to roll. So that's what we saw here. But it's the Falcons, and they're going to run. Whether they're winning, losing, in between, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's two minutes left or two minutes starting into the game. They're running. They're running the ball. So uh, I think that Cordell Patterson's back to being what he was, and now we have a second option we can trust because Algier kind of pushed Caleb Huntley aside, even though there's been some games where Huntley's looked better. It's clearly Algier is the number two. So Patterson and Algier can be started most weeks, I think, going forward, especially if Atlanta keeps at least doing well in this this fashion that nobody would have expected. I selfishly wanted Patterson to maybe move into like a Debo-ish role where he gets like six to eight carries a game and he plays a lot more slot wide receiver and they throw him the ball and then you could have Algier be a little bit more of the typical running back. But to your point, they just... Yeah, they don't throw the ball. They don't throw the damn ball. They just run the ball all day long. So you're going to get double digit carries from both of these guys, Brandon. So, I, you know, I guess the, the question isn't so much about Patterson because Patterson can be a low RB2 to high flex option. It's really more about Algier. Is is it going to be a depends on the situation type of thing with Algier? Or do you think he can slide in as a flex option most weeks because of how much they run the ball? Yeah, I think it can be split into a flex option because of how much they run the ball. I mean, just looking at Mariota's averaging 22 pass attempts per week. Atlanta running backs are averaging 27 carries per week. Cordell Patterson, even in a bell cow role, you can't give him, you know, I mean, you, you don't want to get him, what, more than 15, 16 carries? Like, you don't want to give Cordell Patterson more than that. So there should be 10 to 12 carries every week for Tyler Algier. And we just saw, I think what we're going to see is this isn't like, splitting the pie in Buffalo's backfield. You know, this is a this is a massive difference. So it's okay. We we actually probably want platoon uh kind of work here just to keep Cordell Patterson out on the field. Uh we're gonna talk about waivers here in one second, but one last one that I feel has been been tiptoeing to kind of finally happened this past week, though neither one of them was impressive. Rashad White got a whole bunch of run. The snap count was still kind of I think low comparatively, but from a percentage of snaps played to actual run Rashad white, I think over past four nets and that percentage, he was eight carries for 27 yards to four nets, nine for 19. It's not impressive. And that's not really what I'm going for here. The question is, is this the time that we need to start looking at white as potentially taking over? Or is this just a, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. They both kind of suck. Tampa Bay's lost. Brandon, let's start with you. Is Rashad white, anything we need to start putting ourselves in line for? Uh, I think no, because Fournette's not going to go away. This is not a very productive backfield. It speaks to the offensive line. Uh, this is in the same, not quite as bad a dire situation, but not. It's it's in the lower level. It's like Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, why should we care about Jalen Warren when this is the second least productive backfield in the league? And all the Rams running backs. Why should we care about those guys? I can't see Rashad White coming up and completely taking over. So if he's actually in a straight platoon with Leonard Fournette or even slightly ahead of him. It just doesn't, I'm just tired of pining for low yield backfield guys. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's just what it comes down to. I think it's more on the, I just don't care because this backfield's not that productive. Anything you oh, can make out of him, Jake? No, because the offensive line is still terrible too. The offensive mm-hmm. line was a concern going into this year. That's the, that's the common factor with all of these guys here. Yeah. 
with a lot of them, like same thing with, you know, Indianapolis struggling right now, uh, you know, the big losses that they've had. So a lot of these backfields, when you just see the offensive line can't do anything, uh, destroying the entire backfield. And when it's a split, it's going to be in, like Fonsta said, Fournette's not going to go away. By the way, you just brought up, uh, you know, Indy. We haven't talked about Frank Wright getting fired. And Literally what I was about to do, I missed the news coming into the uh, – into the show, but uh, if people didn't see the Frank Reich out as a head coach for the Colts, that was announced like about, I think, 15 minutes before we started, and I just completely uh, missed that. Is there any takeaways on uh, Reich being out? I, maybe no. the return of Matt Ryan, which I think, God, I think we Why? need it. They're tanking <laughs> now. No, I mean, did tanking you, have you yeah. seen Sam Ellinger? I mean, my God. I yeah. know. Uh, like, I agree, and I, I even tweeted that myself, said that this mean the experiment ends, but if you're tanking... Well, I'm just saying, like, if you're thinking at this level and you get rid of Frank Wright, Frank Wright doesn't want to tank, even though they are tanking. So you bring in temporary head coach who's maybe not even the answer next year. So the incumbent's like, hey, you get a pass, you're just going to be tanking, and we're going for draft picks and a new quarterback. They definitively need a quarterback, and you have two glorious options and potentially a third or fourth decent option in this draft class. So you either get a pass or there's you're not going to be the option anyway. So this is just stick with Ellinger. You're, you're, you get the I job. I think they got to cut him with Ellinger. I think they got to cut Matt Ryan to kill all uh, temptation and people freaking out and just obvious uh, like obvious tank. You need to get rid of him so you can justify why Ellinger because Ellinger well, is my my biggest concern is if they truly are tanking is they're going to keep Jonathan Taylor on the sidelines. That's that's my worry or that that's they're just concerned too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, I think I think there's a lot of Colts value that we have Zach, to be concerned Zach about. Zach Moss season, Zach, Zach Moss season, yes. I mean, how great do you guys feel about that, Michael Pittman right now? No, I don't feel great about it, this entire team. Period. And unless Jonathan Taylor came back, and if Jonathan Taylor's a hundred percent, which we again, it sounds like it's at least a mid ankle sprain. It might be worse than that, but yeah, then maybe the, the clearest sign of them tanking should have been the fact that they traded for Zach Moss. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, let's finish <laughs> off with a little waiver wire preview. <laughs> Let's do a little waiver wire preview here. And uh, Jake, we'll start with you. Your top three for the waiver wires. Uh, Jeff Wilson. There you go. Who's mm. not even 60% because if you're going to get that split and if anything were to happen to Mostert, I mean, that feels like a ticking time clock that he's been healthy this long. But I mean, imagine if he went down and Jeff Wilson's the lead for that team. Uh, I'll say Chuba Hubbard again. Donta Foreman was not used in the passing game, and that thing went sideways real fast this week. And I do expect Deonta Foreman, I said it last week, Deonta Foreman's going to be the more valuable running back. But Blackshear was a thing, as Funston said at the beginning, because the passing game. Uh, Wondell Robinson got dropped by a lot of people on the bye. I would go grab him. And then my bonus is that I said this, and I didn't take one of Fonston's because I knew he would bring it up. I like one of them too, so I'll let you talk about it. But the bonus was, I said at the draft time, Isaiah Spiller was the best option behind Austin Eckler. And it's, you know, yes, Joshua Kelly got hurt, but Isaiah Spiller showed he's the number two. And if something happens to Austin Eckler, Isaiah Spiller would be an RB2. And I'm not saying start Spiller ever, but this is the time of year. There's nothing left on waivers. You need to grab these backups. Samaj yeah, Kiran should be, uh, should be on rosters. I want to Yeah, you're, you're right about Chris that. Evans got hurt. Yeah, well, would you okay? But who would you rather have? Would you want Spiller, to go pick up Spiller or, or your uh, or Tank Tank Masters Zach Moss? Oh, I would just at Spiller. Zach Moss is just okay. kind of on his face. <laughs> I'm just checking, just checking for Tank Master. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, Brandon, what do you got for your top three? 
Yeah, and I went. I put Wilson there. He's fifty-two percent rostered in Yahoo. Normally, I look under fifty, but it's such garbage this week. Um, like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be very active. Just I, I can tell. Uh, one one guy I put garbage at number two because I just basically <laughs> want to speak to that point. One guy I would say I'm mildly interested in, and, and I guess he's questionable for as we're taping this tonight. It's Jarvis Landry. You know, with Andy Dalton there. Running in the slot, it worked out well. The Dalton, Tyler Boyd, you know, back in the day, uh, you, they need a second receiver there in New Orleans. So that if Jarvis Landry's healthy and out there, like I could see him being serviceable. It might be a time to to add him now. And um, yeah, and then the last one is OBJ, and I'm like, I don't know, this could go, it could go nowhere. Yeah. But he is getting cleared, and he's going to land somewhere. And if he lands in the right place we could very quickly be excited about him. So sneaky, now's sneaky. the time to, yeah, now's the time to grab him. I was a little surprised because we just had a report last week that said he wasn't going to be until mid December. Yeah. All of a sudden he's getting cleared this week. I feel like this is going to be one of those things though. He's getting cleared that he's going to sign and you're not going to see him suit up for two or three weeks. Like, I don't think he's, you're still so going to see Josh him suit Gordon. up. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I don't think you're going to see him suit up with a team and play until December. Anyways, I think this will well, be like, he's good to go to sign, but it, nothing's going to happen production wise. What if he lands in Green Bay? I don't think he will. But like a place where there's an obvious need with an obviously talented quarterback, like we're gonna need to we're gonna need to add him now. He like, wants to oh yeah, ideal. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna go to a contender, but like if he's with San Francisco or I'm, Buffalo or he's something not going like to the Packers because he wants to be in a contender. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's and if he's gonna go to a contender, he's probably gonna be done. You still should probably pick him up regardless to see what teams are going with. I like these speculative ads. It is a crappy week for waivers. Uh, there's speculation to be had, but if you guys want the full throws of it, make sure you're following Jake over at the athletic, make sure you are subbing so you can get the article that's going to drop for you uh Wednesday night. If you're a uh, night owl, you can read the whole thing, get ahead of all your, uh, Tuesday, people in your league. Morning. Uh, oh. yeah, like, well, Wednesday, like at midnight is what I meant. Like, for by range. the way, really quickly, OBJ to the chargers. Why, why that just seems too oh, yeah. perfect. OBJ to the chargers. They're still contending. Um, they, they have a huge need. I would say that's a, that's a place where you yeah, they go. could all they could share like injury stories like him and Keenan Allen could like talk about how they never play. Yeah. I think that, that yeah. would be good goes for morale back to playing in the same stadium again. Is that why? Yeah, yeah a, I think that works back in L.A. Big need. Play right, right away. Go, go and go and do the. We'll talk about this off. I think we, let's keep working. Let's uh, let's keep uh, workshop. <laughs> workshop. This. This, okay. this is a good workshop here. <laughs> uh, you guys follow Jake on Twitter at all in kid Brandon Funson at Brandon Funson. You can follow me at is it the Welsh? We are coming later this week talking about ranks. Get ahead of it with Jake's article. And friends, have a fantastic week until we talk to you next time right here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast.